Hey, what's up, guys? It's Miller, Uproom Dallas Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We love our podcast family. This Sunday was a little unique. Uh, God showed up in the midst of worship, and we followed him. And so uh, the message portion was about 15 minutes, and I pulled up a dear friend of mine, Ray Sturdivant, who uh, has been studying the end times, had a massive impact upon uh, my revelation and study of the end times, and I interviewed him. And we started to look at Matthew 24. Uh, that's going to be a focused text for us in the coming weeks. So enjoy this uh, brief conversation with Ray, and I hope you have a great week. Uh, this morning in 11 minutes, um, I, uh, I asked Ray to come up here. This is Ray. He's a, he's a good friend of mine. He's been at the Upper Room for a long time. Six years, seven years? Yeah. And um, he... He has a ministry that, uh, how would you describe your ministry other than holy and supernatural and amazing? That's better than I would describe okay. it, so that's good. He's prayed, prayed with a lot of people in, in uh, our community and then across DFW, just he's a real uh, incredible counseling ministry, deliverance ministry. Uh, but he also runs with a group that we're deeply connected with, Time to Revive, which is Kyle Martin. And uh, Kyle, along with Stephen Corey, is who we're partnering with for Land in Israel. And um, last week, if you weren't here, I hopped into the beginning of a series um, on the end times. And we looked at the word Maranatha and its significance for us. And just the, the, the cry that Maranatha is, which I'll talk about here in just a little bit. But Ray, along with Kyle, uh, have been in a, a t- teaching. I think you guys started when? In May? It was like April. April. And uh, it's 30 plus teachings on the end times. It's one of the most thorough, sound, uh, theological presentations of the end times that that I've had a part of of journeying with. And I love your format. Uh, Kyle does a lot of the teaching, but Ray's on the front row and he gives commentary. And Ray has such a depth of understanding when it comes to the end times. And so I wanted to pull him up just because I I needed to abbreviate today. I was going to hop deep into Matthew 24, which will pump that um, until uh, next week. Uh, But we're going to continue to stay in this. We're not in any rush. Uh, But I I mentioned last week that the the, the term Maranatha, it's an an Aramaic word that Paul used in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 16, verse 22. And he takes out a pen at the end of the letter in 1 Corinthians 16. And he's like, I am going to end this letter with my own handwriting. And he throws in this Aramaic word in a Greek letter. And so if you're Greek, it wouldn't have made sense to you unless you were previously exposed to this word and the meaning of it. And he throws in Maranatha. And Maranatha, depending on how the word is written, it could mean one of three things. It could mean the traditional meaning is, is Lord Jesus come, but it could have meant, and some English translations translated into he came, some translated into he's coming, and others translated so come. So it could basically mean he came, he's coming, so come. So the Maranatha cry, which was like a, a passcode or a password, they think in the early church, whereas shalom would have been the Hebrew greeting, they think that the Christians, Jew and Gentile, the way they would have greeted one another was Maranatha, which means he came, he's coming, so come. And I think that that Maranatha cry is the cry of the end time church. The spirit and the bride say come. 
And we looked at three significant, uh, three significant uh, th- ramifications of the Maranatha cry um, from, uh, yeah, I won't get into that, but that, that was last week's lesson. But this week I was gonna really hop into the nuances of Matthew 24. Um, so I wanted to just push play on you. You've, you've been studying the end times for a long time. Why do you think it's important as a community we have a grasp for uh, the end time message, end time theology, uh, why have you become so passionate about it? Because I know you have such a depth. Well, it's interesting. It started out, it was my least favorite topic in theology. And I kind of got ambushed. Uh, Kyle was actually, I had just started going to the church he was assistant pastor of. And he was leading a Bible study, and it was three other guys, and they invited me in. And I was like, what, what are you guys studying? And it was a book on the end times. I went, oh, man, I don't. I don't want to really do that. And I thought, well, I'll just go and uh, they'll get on to something better, you know, next book. So I go and I started reading and I started being challenged with the fact that I hadn't really owned this for myself. Like most of the, the things uh, theologically I had owned for myself had a long journey up to that point. <clears throat> and I'd never really owned it for myself doesn't mean we can't learn from other people, but I've got to let the Lord speak to me through Scripture. And so I just started a journey that I just, as I started studying, I became more and more passionate about it because it completes the picture of Jesus. There is a part of Jesus that burns for justice on this earth. Mm -hmm. He burns for his reign and rule on this earth. And the full expression of that, a lot of stuff has to happen before that, but it just, you start to see the full expression of what it's after. And if you have an incomplete picture of the end times, you think it's all about disaster, uh, which is gonna happen. But at the same time, the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit is gonna happen. And it's all to his return. And so uh, he specifically says, I think it's two or three times in Matthew, don't be deceived. There's a lot of stuff out there being taught. There's a lot of noise. And you got to own this for yourself. You have the, you got the one that wrote the book living inside of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we need to own it. Yeah. We need to own it. We, we can't just believe it because someone tells it. I, I believe in teaching and I believe in learning, but it's, it's only to inspire us to get with the Lord and say, show me. And I think we, if you will do that, you will become passionate because, you know, that Maranatha Christ, the one who was and is and is to come. And so we've got the history, we've got the current, we need a passion for the future and it will complete I believe our cry for Maranatha because yes, I know what's coming and I'm not going to be shaken. I'm not going to be afraid when all of, he's telling us ahead of time, this is going to happen. And it's so that we're not going to be shaken. It's like, Hey, I already know this is coming. And you know, he's always using the enemy's attacks to promote us mm. always. You'll never have an attack come your way that there's not a a promotion attached to it. And if we're not anticipating the promotion, 
we'll get overwhelmed with the attack. And so he tells us what's coming ahead of time. So it, mm. it just developed a heart in me mm. to know for myself and have it in here what's coming. And it's not that we got it all figured out, but I know a whole lot more than when I started 12 years ago. Uh, and and, and that the purpose really, we are so fact-based and we want this timeline. We want to know this. We want to know that. And God is a lot more interested in the journey of discovery with him than he is you getting a bunch of facts yeah. about it. And so in the journey to uncover this, uh, he's going to grab your heart in the midst of it because he's not that interested in us having a bunch of facts up here. He's interested in the discovery that happens in our heart. Hmm. So good. I want to, I want to, I want to talk about two chapters. Uh, the, the Bible, there's, there's 150 chapters devoted to the end times. Um, they're prophecies, things that have not been fulfilled yet. Um, I think it's four times the amount of content in the Bible is spoken towards that generation that's living than the first coming of Jesus. It's, 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 it's all over scripture. And yet there's two chapters that I want to point us to. And it's, it's two chapters that I wanted to sit on. And it's Jesus's own words about the end times, his disciples uh, ask him a question. And it was just four disciples. It was in Mark 10. It, it, it tells us who the four disciples were. It was Peter, James, John, and Andrew. And they came to Jesus in an intimate setting because Jesus had said, um, Jesus had said at the end of 23, which leads us into 24. So Matthew 24 and 25 are those two chapters. But at the end of 23, he talks about Jerusalem uh, being desolate, about it being destroyed. And, and he makes, he makes this, this statement, behold, this is Matthew 23, 38 and 39. So I just wanna whet your appetite to dig into these scriptures. And I'm going to give you framework for Matthew 24 and 25. So take notes. Just, again, it's 1159. I'm not going to go long. But I want you to see the framework of these chapters so that you can begin digging into these chapters and owning this revelation yourself. But at the end of Matthew uh, 23 and verse 38, he says this. He says, behold, your house is being left to you desolate. Speaking of Jerusalem and the temple, for I say to you from now on, you will not see me until, until such an important word, you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, what is that phrase? Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's Maranatha. That the Jewish people would have a Maranatha cry and that when they cry out Maranatha, they will see him. So there will be an invasion of Jerusalem, a destruction of the temple, but the Jewish people will cry out Maranatha and they will see their Messiah again. Now, one of the important things about Matthew 23, 38, and 39 is that leads us into Jesus's discourse of the end times, Matthew 24 and 25. And it's because he said that statement in Matthew 23, 38, and 39 that the disciples, the four, come to him and go, hey, when's this gonna happen? And what's going to happen? How are we going to know? And so Jesus then answers them, and that's Matthew 24. And then he gives two parables, three parables, at the end of 24 and 25. Um, but I, I want to ask you this, and, and this, is, this, is, this is important. These things have not been fulfilled yet. Correct. Okay. But there, there's a, 
a strong presentation in some circles that say that it has. Now we've got like, we've got to talk through that a little bit. Yes. Go ahead. <laughs> um, because some of these things have happened, but not all of them have happened. Yeah. And the Bible says all of these things will happen in one generation. That's Matthew 25, I believe, verse 30. 24, verse 30, 4 and 5. Yeah. It, all of these things will happen in one generation because the, Jerusalem was left desolate in 70 AD. Yep. But it wasn't a f total fulfillment of Matthew 24 and 25. I also think part of the uh, word he was giving when he said... Behold, I'll leave your house desolate. I believe he was also prophesying about what he was about to bring uh, in his resurrection. Because no longer was the presence of God going to be found in a building. But there were going to be millions of temples walking around with the presence of God in them. Part of that desolation happened uh, at his resurrection because God shifted from an external temple to go to experience his presence. When that veil was torn for the first time in human history, now the, now the Holy of Holies is in your spirit because now your spirit could be made righteous and the presence of God could rest there. And I believe part of what he was prophesying was that outpouring was of the that. spirit. Yeah. So this is, this is what's amazing about prophetic literature is that it's like an onion. Yes. There's layers, it means this, and there's more. <laughs> but wait. Yeah. There's more. Yes. That's kind of how prophetic literature works. And, uh, and so just for time's sake, one of the things I wanted to do in Matthew 24 is just give you framework for reading it. So when you read Matthew 24, I see three distinct moves in Matthew 24. Uh, the first is, is Jesus describing what I would call generalized birth pains. So if you have your pen, write these out or your iPhone and study these. This is Matthew 24, four through eight. Do you have this up here, Art? Generalized birth pains. Uh, it's Matthew 24, verse 48. This is about the deception to come. Um, and we'll, we'll talk through all this in, in the coming, coming weeks. But this is about wars, rumors of wars. Nations will rise against nation, famines, earthquakes. This is the beginning of the birth pains. Uh, I believe we're in the midst of those now. Uh, but these will culminate into uh, the tribulation, which is a seven-year period. It will be the most trying seven years the earth has ever seen. And these generalized birth pains will be the kind of the Braxton Hicks or the precursors to that seven-year period. And, uh, and, and these are somewhat hard to discern because a lot of these things have happened and are happening now. Uh, a lot of them, there's wars, rumors of wars, there's famines, there's earthquakes. I think it is increasing uh, and we do need to be aware, but these things have increased in the past. And so I call them generalized because these generalized birth pains will point to more personalized uh, pains that you will experience. And I call the second, the second set of trials is more societal pressures that we face individually. And that will be found in Matthew 24, verses 9 through 14. So 9 through 14, this is when they will deliver you to tribulation. So this is the first time that word's used, tribulation. We've got the beginning birth pains that lead to the tribulation, which is societal pressures. And these include 
uh, persecution, hated by all nations, a great falling away, lawlessness abounding, false prophets, again, deception, uh, betrayal. But it also says during that time, the gospel will be proclaimed, that there will be a great harvest. It will be like a great and terrible day but these will be a pressure cooker for the end time church. And I believe an explosion of the gospel, but great persecution will come. And these are actually, and we will overlay this with the seals in Revelation six and seven. You can see the seals that are peeled back. There's seals, bowls, and trumpets, which we'll get into, but uh, they overlay in Matthew 24. So John actually has commentary on Matthew 24 and Revelation six and seven. Am I following? Are you Amen. following me? Yes. Okay. And then I, you, can, you can speak to this, but so the, the, the generalized pains will lead to those societal pressures or individual things that we face, and it will culminate in verse 15. That's the therefore. So you've got, you've got, you've got the original birth pains, and then verse nine is then they will deliver you, which is the societal pressures, but 15 is therefore when you see the uh, abomination of desolation, which is a big word, we'll get into it, but it's an abominable act that will happen in Jerusalem. Um, and so everything points to the city of Jerusalem. Everything points to not just the land of Israel and the Jewish people, but the city itself is central. It's the centerpiece for the end times. And uh, this is the great tribulation in verse 15. So you, you basically have three time frames here. You have the generalized pains, you have the individual persecution, societal pressures, which lead to the great tribulation, which is found in Matthew 24, 15 through 31. This is how you should read Matthew 24. You should see it as incremental in that you've got the first birth pains unto the second unto the third. And I'll give you, I'll give you some time frames when we'll look at Daniel and and all that. But I just wanted to present this to you on a high level because I knew that we just had a short time this morning. Ray, put a bow on this. Ah, that's, that's awesome. You know, it's, you touched on it, and I believe you're uh, probably going to dig into it a little bit more, but it's one of the things that I discovered in my study as I was studying Matthew 24, I started looking at the seals uh, in Revelation starts in chapter six and runs through eight, and you start to see the description is tied into what, I look at Matthew 24 as a 30,000 foot view, and then Revelation digs in deeper, and it starts showing you more on a ground level, and I find it fascinating that John was a part of the crew. Who asked that question? Who asked the question? Yeah. And he got a deeper revelation of it years later and he wrote the, the book of Revelation about it. And so also, I think in kind of a facts-based mentality, we kind of want these clear distinctions and chops. And I feel like a lot of this, there's a flow to it. Like I, the birth pains don't just stop and all of a sudden persecution happens. It's, it's, it's there's escalating. a flow, it's all kind of flows together. Uh, and to view this as real world, we'll hear things like the day of the Lord and we think it's one day. It's not. And so just think in terms of reality uh, on this realm of how the spirit realm affects it. Yeah. And so, yeah. Could, could I, there's, oh, can I read one passage? Ray, you're putting a bow on it. <clears throat> yes. yes. Please do. So this will put a bow on it. Thank you. So the other morning, uh, you know, I was up early and I, whew, I asked the Lord what was on his heart. And he told me to go to Isaiah 62 
and read six and seven, and it just broke me because there's something happening in my heart now. He's really birthing something in me for Israel that's never been there before. Mm. And so it says, on your walls, O Jerusalem, I have appointed watchmen. Mm. All day and all night, they will never keep silent. Mm. You who remind the Lord, take no rest for yourselves and give him no rest until he establishes and makes Jerusalem praise a praise in the earth. Uh, I don't know about you, but that got all over me. And I had no clue what Isaiah 62, 7 was. He just told me to go there. And that's the biggest bow I could put on it. Yeah. That's, that's, that's our cry. That's that Maranatha. Like, we're, not, we're supposed to pester him until Jerusalem is a praise to him. And you're all watchmen. Yeah. Mm. It's beautiful. Well, we'll... <laughs> We'll get into this more. Uh, I'm going to teach on it tonight, Lord willing, and then we'll look at more of this next week. But I, I really feel like um, this morning was blessed. So I just really, really value him. And, uh, and so dig into Matthew 24 and 25. We'll hop into it next week.